Own Your Creativity, Episode 37. You know, my definition of creativity is really about bringing things to life through faith and belief. And it's not like churchy faith. Um, it's it's really about what you focus on, what you what you think through, then you actually create that. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I'm an author, professor, and podcaster, and I help people tell their story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. I'm really excited because I have Scott Wilhite here with me today, and he's an award-winning commercial filmmaker turned social entrepreneur. As a writer, producer, and director, he was enjoying a promising creative career without actually enjoying it. During 10 of his most productive years, he found them to also be 10 of his darkest, most unsatisfying years. He felt directionless and that his life was missing purpose and meaning. This all changed when a friend introduced him to the world of positive psychology and showed him the difference that comes from deliberately consciously choosing what he mentally focuses on. With his personal transformation, he wanted to make the education easily accessible to others. He created the Feed Your Happy app as a mobile mindset conditioning tool, founded Encourage.life, produced a 40-part video series called Two Men's to Happiness, or Two Men to Happy, and authored the soon-to-be-released book, The Seven Core Skills of Everyday Happiness, Scientifically Proven Skills for a Happier, More Meaningful Life. Scott has a beautiful wife who teaches high school, four four kids who amazingly don't fight, (laughs) and lives high up in the Rocky Mountains. Welcome to the show, Scott. Well, thanks, Elizabeth. I'm so glad to be on with you. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Feed Your Happy app that you've created? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, it kind of comes down to me discovering happiness. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you just, I'll tell you a story about that. Um, years ago, I'm a documentary, well, I'm a commercial filmmaker um, by trade, and I was asked to do a documentary for a humanitarian group. And uh, they sent me off to Cambodia with a film crew to document and film the, the poor, impoverished people, sad people, you know, in order to convince, you know, rich uh, Americans and to open up their hearts and their wallets to contribute and help them. Well, I got there and uh, and I'm I'm in this rickety old minivan and we're just packed in as a film crew, you know, with boxes of camera gear and and uh, and I look out the window and I realize I've got a serious problem because I see really poor, impoverished people, but I don't see sad people. Oh. You know, everyone that that kind of feels my gaze on them looks at me and their faces just light up with this pure pure joy. And, you know, I look back and, and kind of give them a little fake smile, you know, that life is really as good, uh, you know, for me as it seems as a North American, you know. Um, but I, I knew inside that I was missing something, you know, that there was something missing and, and, uh, and it frustrated me. And that, that's what began my long journey to find happiness, you know, and I thought I would find it in, you know, in, in, in in a new gig or you know more awards or um a nicer house or a nicer car or something outside of me and and I really didn't find it that way but when I learned about positive psychology that's what you know when things started to change for me and I thought more people want to get in on this and so I created an app to help people 
understand the skills of happiness and be able to apply them in their lives daily and, and work on them as kind of a, a mental fitness thing. So honestly, it was for me. <laughs> you know, I'm a recovering grumpaholic, um, but it helped me to refocus my mindset. And uh, and then for anybody else that wants it, it's in the, I, uh, the iTunes store, the app store, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, they could download that there. And so can you explain to us what your take of positive psychology is like I know what it is and I I use it in teaching as well but uh, I don't know that everybody really understands it and I think that there's a lot of um, you know misinterpretation of what it is you know as if you're supposed to be happy in the face of anything like even if it's something sad oh you're going to be happy anyway and it's not really about that oh totally totally it's not no it's not putting on rose-colored glasses it's not pretending to be happy or convincing yourself, you know. It really is about becoming more awake and aware and alive, more conscious, really. Um, And what positive psychology is, uh, you know, it's not positive affirmations or anything like that. It's actually science, you know, top-tier universities, Harvard, Stanford, UCAL Berkeley, uh, the University of, um, is it Wisconsin? Uh, University of Pennsylvania, they're leading the field with this and they're doing tons of research that shows you know that happiness is a skill that there are certain things that you could do and you can replicate this you know why are naturally optimistic people why does life seem to go so well for them well it's because of their mindset it's what they focus on so the science is really um i'm so sorry about that life happens (laughs) i'm so sorry about that um but yeah so the science is really about finding out what is you know what is working for these optimists and helping bring that to life so that other people can replicate it and and apply that in their lives and what about encourage life what's that all about well, that's really my way of packaging this for other people. You know, I'm I'm a recovering grumpaholic myself. You know, for years I I thought I was just a tortured artist. You know, that this is just the the lot of life that I was dealt. This is you know what I have to work with. And so when I learned about this, um, I learned you know, and I started reading every book I could find on positive psychology. And there's tons out there, and they're fantastic. Um, but I found myself during the daytime, slipping back into my old ways of thinking. You know, negative thinking is easy because you're thinking downhill. And so I started creating tools that would help me mentally condition myself, kind of like a a physical fitness workout, you know, to where you're working on this all the time. Uh, And and as I, anyway, as I did this, I thought more people want to get in on this, you know. Um, And so anyway, Encourage.life is about providing those kinds of tools to people to give them the education and uh, kind of the courses to go through so that they can, um, they can control their mindset, you know. Yeah, and I I love your um, analogy of, you know, it's easy to think negatively because you're going downhill. I mean, you're going with gravity instead of against it. You know, so yeah. it just, and, it, and it does seem that uh, scientifically that, that we are geared towards um, seeing danger in our environment and, and you know, um, viewing threats in the world. And so we actually have to work not to have that to be our, you know, base reflex uh, reaction to, to things in our life. Oh, totally. Yeah. Now, once you understand that, then you can start putting those things into place, you know, just to catch yourself from spiraling down because we all have bad days, you know, and 
and knowing about positive psychology or, or knowing that happiness is a skill doesn't mean that it makes you good at it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you know about it, you can catch yourself early before it gets out of control. Yeah, and I love that that you you know you're saying that happiness is a skill because then it puts it in our control. You know, if we feel that there's too many things outside of our control, then that actually fuels our negativity or um, our our thinking that that we can't affect change. You know, oh, but totally. But if happiness is a skill, then wow, like I can learn that too, and I can improve on on, on what I have. And I also really like what you were saying about that you, you used to think that you were just going to be a tortured artist, and that that's the kind of life that you chose being in the creative field. I think that that's a real myth too. So how did positive psychology help you, you know, realize that that your lot in life wasn't to be a tortured artist? You know, the the first skill that I learned about that that transformed me and, and this is like the granddaddy skill of them all if you can get this one skill down you can up, you know up, you you can spark your happiness whenever you want and it's the skill of gratitude and what i was told was that you can't be grateful and unhappy at the same time mm, yeah and i thought i thought that can't be true <laughs> because because i'm a very grateful person what you know i told myself um you know i say thank you all the time but what I didn't realize was that I was saying thank you, but I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't feeling – and with gratitude, gratitude is is about recognizing that there was deliberate kindness or deliberate compassion extended towards you and to get that human connection, you know, or, or if it's, you know, if it's outside of yourself, you know, if it's God or the universe or whatever. But recognizing that you are the recipient of deliberate goodness and that your life, therefore, is good. You know, unfortunate. And so, like, what's so interesting about all this stuff that they're finding in science is that it's so simple. You know, and when I heard that, okay, you keep a gratitude journal and each day you write down three fortunate things that happened to you. When I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. That that can't work because it's too simple. It just, it's not going to help me. Um, but I was so frustrated at that time in my life. I thought, I'm going to try it. And I did. And it took about a week before I really started to feel something and recognize it. And what would happen is at night, I would write down in my gratitude journal before I went to bed, I'd think back on the day and, and think, okay, three fortunate things. And at first, it was really easy. And then one night, I remember I was really tired. And I sat there for like 20 minutes trying to think through the day of oh, any fortunate things. Wow. So the next day, I said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to look for them. Ah. And my mind started to be preconditioned, really, to look for, you know, good things to happen. And it was something simple. I remember I was on the freeway and this guy pulled over so that I could drive past him. And I thought, that's what I'm writing about tonight. Yeah. And uh, But then I started to recognize all these great things happening. And I started to feel it. And I started to feel gratitude. And anyway, that's when everything in my life really started to change. And so what's your definition of creativity? You know, my definition of creativity is really about bringing things to life through faith and belief. And it's not like churchy faith. It's not that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of it is maybe subconscious. Um, it's, it's really about what you focus on, what you, what you think through, then you actually create that. Can I tell you a story mm -hmm. on this? Yeah, please do. Okay, so years ago, um, I had a very fortunate accident. Uh, 
just occurrence. Anyway, I, I was running an errand, and as I ran down to the bank, they had this flyer on the door that said, Arnold Freeberg is coming to uh, to do a town hall chat or something. I can't remember. It was like an artist night. And uh, and I live in a small town, and he's a, he was a famous artist. Um, he, he worked with Cecil B. DeMille and created wow. uh, he did all the costuming for yeah. the Ten Commandments. It was just phenomenal stuff. And, and so I was really excited to, to meet him and, and to hear about him. Well, when I went there, he said a few things and I wrote them down. Um, but he talked about creativity. He said, I don't create anything. The picture comes to me. It comes tapping me on the shoulder. The picture already exists, and it comes to me saying, you have been selected to bring me to be seen. Then I try to be faithful to bring it about. Hmm. Uh, he, he said, the picture keeps telling me what it demands. It, you know, it's, it selects the artist, and that's why first-rate artwork doesn't come from second-rate artists. Well, that was the first time I'd ever heard that creativity really can exist outside of ourselves and we become kind of a conduit for bringing things about you know and whether that's whether that's you know film or or video or or stories or um you know as far as like printed things or even just things in our lives we actually bring them about by how much focus we put on them and how much effort we put in um, does that make sense to yeah you? it does it does and it kind of connects to the definition of positive psychology, too, (laughs) I think. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, um, like stress. I talk to Mm -hmm. people about stress all the time. And so much of stress comes from the stories we tell ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, things Mm -hmm. that might could maybe possibly happen. Um, But as we tell ourselves these stories, and the more we focus on them, the more we believe them, the more they come about even if the bad stuff doesn't happen the the stress and the anxiety you know comes and happens with that right so you said that for about 10 years in your career were really dark years and so um you know one of the things that i ask on the show is you know to take us back to a time in your life when you felt the you know really negative effects of not being connected to your creativity and so can you just you know tell us a little bit more about about you know that dissatisfaction that you felt and and maybe like how you started moving out of it you know like what was your moment when you realized like i do have to do something about this and i know it was the positive psychology that that helped you get out of it but what was your you know your moment where you said okay this has got to stop i've got to do something <laughs> okay, well, this is a little bit embarrassing, um, but I—I I mean, I was—I was winning a whole bunch of awards. I was doing great stuff. I was—I was—I was very satisfied creatively. Like I was able to use my talents and, and bring beautiful things about and 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 everything. But I was so dissatisfied with life. And as I look back now and I realize, man, my focus was so bad, you know, because here I have this wonderful family. Like I mentioned, four kids that don't fight. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I have all these great things, but I wasn't focused on it. I was focused on things that were outside of my control and things that I felt like I was missing in life. Well, I remember I, I was super frustrated and I, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I quit my job without having a new job to go to. Oh, wow. I was just, I'd had enough. Um, well, it ended up to be very fortunate because um, because on the last day, you know, I gave notice. On the very last day that I was there, I bumped into this guy and he had this little orange book under his arm. And he was talking about how excited he was. And it was the scientific study of happiness. 
And as he talked about that, there was something inside of me that said, that's what I want. You know, more than anything, I want to be happy. And, uh, and so anyway, I ran to the bookstore. Um, it started to change my life because I understood that happiness is, is inside. It's a mindset. It's what we focus on. And like almost immediately, you know, my kids started calling me happy dad and, you know, and, and I'm enjoying all the, the beautiful things in life. I'm recognizing what's going great in my life and I feel more in control rather than, than being, you know, I felt like such a victim. I felt so trapped, you know, by my circumstances and, and now I felt so free. So that was really the uh, kind of my transformation stage. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I, uh, I, I'm teaching a class at university right now. It's called self-management techniques. And we really talk about, uh, you know, victim statements and creator statements and, you know, where we um, place our locus of control. Is it, you know, internal or external? And, uh, and, and I think that it's a real challenge for uh, young people, you know, people in their early 20s, um, to really grasp that idea and really embrace it. It's certainly in the students that, that I um, that I have in my class, because they failed out of their program, and then they have to take my class in order to get back on track with their oh. academic goals, you know. And so, um, and so we, we employ hope-based theory and and you know um mindfulness and positivity and and whatnot in the framework of how we teach the course but uh for a lot of them it it's really hard for them to distinguish between uh taking control and and feeling like there's so much out of their control and what would you say to you know if some of my students are listening what would you say to them you know it's really all about the stories we tell ourselves um and i'll tell you a story about stories. All right. Okay, so and it's so funny because even though I know you know these skills and I'm working on them, I'm working on them. I, you know, I'm I'm a recovering grumpaholic and I'm and I'm working on these all the time. Well, uh, last week I did a series of, of films videos for uh, for this guy that had climbed the seven summits. So mm. he's climbed the tallest peak on all of the seven continents. Wow. Well, well, as I'm working on this series of films for him, you know, I've got questions and I need, you know, I need names and I need graphics and, you know, presentation stuff. And as I email him, he responds almost immediately. Well, finally, I finish up these three videos and I send him links and I'm really happy with how they turned out. You know, I'm feeling great. And, uh, and crickets. I don't hear <laughs> anything from him. So immediately, what do I do? I start going into storytelling mode and I tell myself he hates them and oh, he's trying to figure out like a gentle way to say, man, Scott, these really stink, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I'm, and I, I'm, I'm finding myself immediately going into this storytelling mode that is all destructive. It's all negative energy and it's all focused on things that, that are fictional, you know, because I have no idea on any of that stuff. So, you know, because I did know the skills, I caught myself early. I laughed that, uh, that, you know, that was my natural reaction to think downhill that way. Um, but I just kind of put things aside. I said, the only thing that I know is he's not responding. And it took like two days. And I get an email from him that says, Scott, I'm in Nepal. <laughs> I don't have great Wi-Fi. I can't wait to see him. And I just laughed thinking I could have spent two whole days just stressing and feeling anxiety by these stories that I'm telling myself. You know, but because I caught it early, I was able to just kind of reframe it and step out and, and everything. So that's what I tell your students, you know, listen to the stories that you're telling yourself, recognize when they're fictional stories, when you don't have enough evidence to prove that that's really true. And then as you start to do that, 
you know, you will start to get more control over your life and you won't feel like you're going to get derailed so easily when bad stuff happens. Excellent advice. Thank you so much for that. So what's the best advice that you've ever received in terms of owning your creativity? Um, the best advice. That's a good question. You know, I have so many different mentors who have helped me through the years and, uh, and I, I, you know, it comes down to that Arnold Freeberg meeting. Um, and I, I started with him, and then I started paying attention to other people who talked about creativity and how, you know, how it kind of can exist outside of ourselves, but you have to work at it, you have to refine it, you have to um, allow it to live, you know, and have it be free. And, uh, and I know, I mean, I have a whole bunch of different quotes from people that talk about where they got their ideas for their stories or whatever, and they came about. But in all of them, they, they talk about this genesis, and then what they did there was they had to work on it and work on it and work on it and allow it to breathe and live as if it was a real living thing. And the more freedom they gave it, rather than trying to coerce it or push it in a certain direction, the more beautiful and more natural it became. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's maybe not the most succinct way to say that yeah is there a particular project that you were trying to force and that as soon as you uh, let up on that that it that things went in the way that it should have do you have an example um well i can tell you i did a video series last week and we were trying to force (laughs) it and me and and my camera guy stopped and we just said yeah, we're forcing it, aren't we? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we stopped and, and kind of went a different direction there. Uh, but there was, a, there was a, a commercial that I did years ago that I was so impressed with how, how it came to me. Um, and and I, felt like, I felt like I embraced it, you know, because I got this one little picture in my head. And, uh, and it, was this, it was this thing that I shot at a university and, uh, and I saw this little image of, of people carrying lights up the hill. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then I went over, you know, and this was from across the valley. And so I went over to the university and I walked the grounds and, and I, you know, tried to find a good place to film it. And nothing really felt right. And so I just kept walking and walking and walking. And I finally I got to the oldest section of the university, you know, big mature trees there in this really old building. And as I stood there, like I saw this guy sitting there in the darkness in my mind, you know, and he's just kind of slumped over and he's looking sad. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I wrote it down. I mean, that's kind of a cool picture. And then I was patient enough to say, and then what? You know, and then I walked closer and then I saw this guy come out of the building and he was, he had this candle in his hand and it was lit up and it just kind of, it just glowed in the darkness. And I thought, oh, that looks beautiful. Then what? Anyway, I went, you know, and just keep asking and, and just, I was a willing recipient and uh, was able to write the script for for that without actually, I mean, I didn't feel like it came from me. I feel like it came to me. Mm-hmm. But that was probably the one that I, as I look back and as I look at how beautiful it turned out, you know, and it was all, it was all the way it was kind of, that it arrived, you know, it arrived packaged, but I had to be willing to give it time and to, you know, just have it take its natural course. Hmm. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? One of my personal habits. Um, 
You know, I do a lot of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it meditation, but I allow myself to be quiet. You know, um, I go to people's houses and stuff, and they show me all their entertainment stuff, and you can walk through the house, and it's controlled by iPad and whatever, you know, and, <laughs> and you can go from room to room, and the music's playing the whole time, and they've got TVs on, and and. I just think that would drive me nuts. Um, so one of the things I do is I really allow myself to be quiet. I allow my thoughts to be quiet. And I take time every morning, you know, as I get up, kind of the first 15 or 20 minutes that I do is in quiet prayer and meditation where I where I listen, where I um, and I'm expressing gratitude and different things just to get centered, you know, on the good things in life. So I, that's kind of one of the things that I do. Thank you. And what person inspires you to be creative? It could be living or or not. <laughs> what person inspires me? Hmm. You know, that, that's I, I don't really know if I have a great answer to that. Um because I feel like I, I don't live outside of me as much as I used to. I mean, I, I used to live very reactionary and, and I felt stuck and trapped. Now that I am doing stuff, like I feel like I'm a social entrepreneur. I'm using my talents to help other people by packaging up things. And so really uh, what inspires me is to be true to myself, to be living the kind of life um, that I've chosen and to be able to use as many talents as I can possibly put together in order to help other people, you know, to find what I found. So, I mean, that's what gets me up in the morning, you know, is like, how can I help somebody? And, uh, and you know, whether it's photography or writing or, or film work, you know, I, I bring that about. And, and, and it's, that, it's that feeling of satisfaction that I'm living true to myself that uh, keeps me going. That sounds beautiful. What's your favorite work of art? Or My do you favorite have one. Are, you know, I'm such a movie guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just I love stories. And I look at I look at movies different um than most people. Uh for me it's all about message. You know, when I when I watch a movie and and things, you know, I'm I'm listening to the messages that it's telling you. And I love the I love the come from behind victory stories. I love the guy that's down and out. I love Frank Capra. Yeah. You know, and he talked about his stories are Capricorn, you know, that some people, you know, will dismiss him. <laughs> but but he's got he had kind of a formula with like uh, it's a wonderful life and and uh Mr. Smith goes to Washington about these people that uh that had a lot of things going against them. And it was very easy for them to throw in the towel and to say, okay, I've had enough or to take the easy road and instead they went that extra extra mile, you know, that extra step. And they did something that was to help somebody else. And that's what, anyway, it's, it's stuff like that that just kind of enlivens me is, is if they can do it, I can do it, you know, and, and encourages me on. And do you have a favorite quote that inspires you? Well, a favorite quote. Ah, you know, I, I'm sorry. Favorite is such kind of a funny thing. You know, because it makes it sound like there's just one. Um, What's but the, I have the most recent one then? <laughs> most recent one? Well, let me share with you this one that I have um, that, uh, that uh, anyway, that, that uh, yeah, let me, let me tell you about 
Okay, so here's a quote I have from, from Bill Watterson. And again, this is this idea of allowing something to have a life and to, uh, to, to grow and, and be real. Bill Watterson said, My early strips came look crude and, and forced to me now, but the characters were still introducing themselves to me. Over the years, Calvin and Hobbes has changed directions, but I, I didn't control where it goes. When everything is working, it's more, it's more, let's see, I'm more surprised by the strip's destination than anybody. Like Calvin, I just head out into the yard in search of weirdness with the right attitude and I make discoveries. You know, he was another one that was kind of on that path that, you know, felt like these things had life and they had a, they had a spirit about them. And he was just the conduit for bringing them, you know, bringing them to life in our, in our side, I guess. So do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? Do I have anything else? Um, you know, I just, I think we are more creative than we give ourselves credit for. You know, a lot of times we, uh, you know, we get in that mindset of feeling stuck or trapped and, and we feel like, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. But, you know, as you, as we realize the stories we tell ourselves and as we realize, you know, all the things that have happened to us and that have kind of put shackles on us. You know, we start out as, as kids and, you know, we don't remember what we were like, but we've seen enough kids to know what they're like. And they're adventurous. They're brave. They, they believe great things are happening. They believe they can learn anything, that they can do anything, that they can be anything. And then life happens. Mm-hmm. And we get all these, you know, layers of muck on us, you know, that, uh, that make us think that we can't, you know. And we have all these experiences but it's really getting back to that belief system that we had when we were kids, you know, to believe that we're great, to believe that there's greatness within us. And as we do that, and as we start to, you know, let go of some of these layers of negativity and, you know, bad conditioning that we've had through the years, as we do that, then we're able to be free. We're able to be, you know, have an unshackled mindset and be able to live the kind of life that we really want to have. So, you know, kind of in, in closing for that, I just, I wish that your audience, that those people that are looking for that kind of stuff, that they can, you know, believe that within themselves is greatness. And the more we allow that to, to live and to grow and to, you know, kind of get rid of the things that, uh, that are kind of mental deep, you know, toxins for us, then we can live the kind of lives, lives that we were intended to live. So, Scott, do you have some uh, tools that you would like to share with us for, for people who would like to uh, start divesting themselves of some of that negativity? You, you know, I do. And this is actually, this is what fuels me, which keeps me going, is I, I found myself slipping back into my old ways of thinking so often, you know, and so I... I I feel I, I realized that I needed something in my life that would help me condition myself all the time. And so anyway, I started encourage.life, uh, which is the letter N, the word courage.life. And on there, I, on that website, I have lots of tools for people. I have videos that help them, you know, like the three mindsets of success that help them understand where they've been limiting themselves and, and how they can grow and express themselves. And anyway, a whole bunch of other things. You can find links to the app there. But but really, it's about, you know, how can we help people to, to change the, you know, what's been confining them? And it really starts with our own minds. You know? Yeah, it really does. So that's encourage.life. And it's the letter N, then the word courage. So it's not, yeah, so you don't have a vowel at the beginning. It's just the letter N, courage.life, right? 
That's right. Thank okay. you. <laughs> there you go. This has been such a wonderful time speaking with you. I'm so inspired and I just love all of your images and your stories. Thank you for taking the time, Scott. Oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been fun. And I love what you're doing. I love how you're helping people. You know, we get stuck, you know, in these, you know, you know, not owning our create our creativity and feeling like there's nothing we can do and you're helping them open up their minds to to their possibilities. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it. I'm on a mission to help as many people own their creativity as I can, and your help in spreading the word is much appreciated. On the next episode, I'll be chatting with a woman who takes creativity very seriously, Ellen Coronet. She is a creativity facilitator, focus group moderator, and a social researcher. Get ready to stretch your thinking patterns next week. Until then, own your creativity. 